your brain is actually working effectively and efficiently. Mm-hmm. It's not designed to be 100% accurate on everything. So just a really fun fact to screw with everyone's minds at home, by the way, every single memory you've ever had, at least 50% of every detail changes every single year. Hello and welcome to the Kelly Lumber Podcast. I'm your host, business mentor, personal brand strategist and style expert on a mission to inspire a minimum of five people a day to take action, do something different and just show up as the best person they aspire to be. Keep all your messages coming, all those reposts and shares that say that you've been inspired by something that you've heard on one of the podcasts. I love it. It makes my day and it makes the guest day knowing that it's had an impact. Thank you in advance for being one of my five a day. Please drop a review on Apple Podcasts or if you haven't come and said hi on Instagram, please do. I'd love to meet you. It means more than you know when you like and subscribe to this podcast so more people can hear the stories and the journey. And in today's episode, I speak to Josh. Now, Josh has had me on his podcast and it was really interesting having the tables turned and this time I had him on my podcast. He's a memory and public speaking coach, a former musician that launched his coaching business not that long ago, just back in 2021. And after sharing his knowledge on TikTok, he quickly grew his following and is now proud to say that he teaches over 700,000 people practical and actionable memory improvement tips every day. And he's about to share some of them with you. So let's tune in. Welcome to the show, Josh. It's great to have you. The roles are reversed. You've had me on yours and now you're on mine. I'm super excited. Thank you so much for having me back. It's great. It's really good to have you. Now, we talked about lots on your podcast about sort of the personal brand piece, but there's so much of that in what you do with the communications, the public speaking, the memory. Why don't you give people a little bit of a backstory as to kind of what got you to where you are today? Sure. So I kind of grew up in a bit of, I mean, the, can I go back to the beginning? I well, guess? Like the day you were born. Well, I guess it started that day. How far do we day. want to go back? <laughs> so why was born on this day? So go it was a Tuesday. It, so I, I grew up, I was really overweight and bullied and didn't really have any friends and that sort of thing, right? So my home life was much better and I found I didn't have any confidence whatsoever. So growing up, I always just wanted to be seen. I wanted to be heard. And it was the only thing that I never was, right? So as I got to about 18 years old, my brother started to, to start giving me self-development books like The Power of Now and things like this, right? And so I started to to read these books and I started thinking, oh, wow, there's, there's more information out there. I just, all I need to do is start learning some new things. Right. And I got on this self-development path and I found that people started coming to me for advice and then people started to apply the advice that I was giving them. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, wow, this is incredible. Actually, like the fulfillment that comes from somebody's life altering from a conversation is mm-hmm. really powerful. Right. And for about 10 years, I was in the music scene. So I was performing, I was every single night performing for gigs and corporate events and weddings and like 20,000 people things in Abu Dhabi and stuff like that. Right. So, so big events. And I just never had that, that fulfillment piece locked in. Mm -hmm. Right. So I would go and people would be saying, Oh, it must be so nice to do what you're passionate about. And I'm like, I'm not (laughs) the thing that I actually, I was drawn towards was coaching. Mm. And I've been in self-development for at this point, maybe six, seven, eight years, something like that. And I started to decide I wanted to take it more seriously. So I started taking official courses. I started learning NLP, habit change, goal, co- uh, goal setting, life coaching, CBT. I started, then eventually a friend of mine got me into memory techniques. And that started to connect all the dots for me for some reason, learning how the brain works and how memories work and how us as humans, we, we create all these stories and we hold on to these stories of the past. 
And so it started to help me to identify the things in my own life that I was holding on to. And then I got some opportunities to start doing some workshops. And the workshops speak in front of others. I was like, oh, wow, I can impact more than one person at a time. Crazy. I need to learn how to do this public speaking thing. And with public speaking, you need to learn proper communication. Mm-hmm. So that delved me really deeply into the whole of public speaking communication. And I haven't gotten out of it yet. <laughs> Love it. So that's the journey. So what would you call yourself? Communications coach or memory and communications coach? It's right? difficult to, to pigeonhole yourself, but I go with public speaking memory coach. I like it. Like yeah. it, like it. So let's start with the, the, the memory piece in that, because I'm really curious about it in the sense of I feel like I have challenges remembering people's names. Is that quite common? And is it because I'm not interested? Because I think it's not. I love people. Why can't I remember names? There's multiple answers to this. However, fundamentally speaking, we're not supposed to meet as many people as we're meeting right now. Mm. Think about how much access to information we have right now. You open your phone, you scroll a hundred times or something, right? Your brain was never designed or evolved to be able to deal with that amount of information. So it's kind of like turning on a, a fire hose with a regular bucket. It's too much stuff coming in and your bucket can't hold it, right? So when it comes to remembering names, there's an element of recognizing that you might not even meet this person again. So there's apathy towards it, thinking, I don't think I really need this name. And then there's also, which means there's no motivation to remember the name. So there's no focus attached to the beginning of the, the memory process. You're not thinking, wow, this name's important for me. I don't need it, right? So there's that, that element of apathy in the beginning, right? And then when we are meeting people, a lot of the time we aren't actually focused on what's their name. So when you meet people, generally what you're thinking is, oh my God, is my hair perfect? Or is, what am I doing tomorrow? What, what did I just have that argument with my, my partner for? Or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. You're thinking about everything except for the one thing of what is that person's name? Mm-hmm. So when you start to activate the filter of what is the name, 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 you will begin to find that information. So you've at least started the focus process, which is the beginning. Even just a powerful focus will build a powerful memory. But then if you want to make it stronger, you need to start using that information. So hi, Kelly. Nice to meet you. Hey, Kelly, what do you think about this? It was such a pleasure to meet you, Kelly. See you later. And then you go home and when you brush your teeth, you remember, who did I, who did I speak to recently? Oh, it's Kelly and she does these things. Oh, and I also spoke to Mark and he does these things and Cameron and they do these things. So then you're starting to strengthen that muscle because if you go to the gym and you don't use your bicep, is it going to get stronger? Mm, no. It's not going to get stronger. So you need to use that muscle. Yeah. And, and recalling information is essentially the same as using a bicep muscle or using a quadriceps or whatever. It doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, yeah. Really interesting. Actually, the apathy piece, you know, that really resonated with me. Now, here's my excuse in terms of why I think maybe I don't remember people's names is for so long, many years ago, it was cabin crew. And we would go into a briefing and we would meet 25 people. And the important people's names you had to remember was the person opposite you. That was the one name that I would always, you, you had to remember because if it was an emergency, you had to be able to shout over to that person. So they had motivation to remember that one name. Yes. But the rest of the people, we're never going to see them again. So you do one flight, but then let's just say you do three flights a week. Then you're meeting, you know, and this is days before social media showing my age, but then you're meeting 70, 50, 60 people a week. And then I started to not register the names. So that would be what you would say with the, cause I used to think I was okay at names, but it started you to go down. Might have been, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was very much the same to be fair. So when I first started, I was, I was still performing in music mm-hmm. and I was meeting 10 to 20 people every single day. Mm. And I was learning all these memory techniques and even still it was difficult Yeah. because again, most of the people I would never meet again. Yeah, so that's yeah. the thing. 
And the expectation of somebody who does memory is I need to remember every single detail about every single person I've ever met in my entire life. And for me, it's not realistic. Just like a normal person, you meet people and you might never see them again. So for me, I recognize the people that I'm going to definitely be meeting again in the future. Mm -hmm. I do my best to remember as many people. I go through these space repetitions of when I brush my teeth, I try to remember who I met recently. And then year by year goes past and I might not meet that person again. And the memory's gone. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. Like, you don't need to remember every single thing in your life. Your brain is actually working effectively and efficiently. Mm-hmm. It's not designed to be 100% accurate on everything. So just a really fun fact to screw with everyone's minds at home, by the way, every single memory you've ever had, at least 50% of every detail changes every single year. 50% of every single detail is going to change every year. Every year. So just as a quick example, you can try it now, Kelly, and whoever's listening right now, I want you to try it right now. I want you to look around the room and I want you to close your eyes in three, two, one, close your eyes. Mm -hmm. I want you to think about how many colors you remember, how many specific objects around, how many strands of hair on the carpet, you know, what color exactly was the coffee cup or the pen that you've got, or Mm -hmm. what colors are on your left, what colors are on your right, what exact hairstyle do I have or somebody around you. You Try to think about all the details. Mm -hmm. Do you think you can recite them off by heart without opening your eyes? Certainly not the hairs on the carpet. <laughs> no, because now, now I can probably only think of about five things. Yeah, exactly. So open your eyes yeah. and look around you. Look how many details there are. Like loads. But all I could think about was the pictures, the coffee, the things that you'd mentioned. I was like, yeah. And then everything else was like, well, what else is there in the room? There's a lot of stuff in this There's room. a lot of stuff. <laughs> but we're always activating what's important to us. And that is our focus. And our brain can only take in so much information at one time. It can only focus on so much mm-hmm. information at one time. So it essentially says the rest isn't important and it deletes it. And that's happening whenever you even remember a memory, it's changing it as well. Mm. So when you remember this room in three years time from now, your brain will have changed the memory multiple times. Oh, interesting. So what actually brought you to Dubai? Was it the music scene? Or? It was the music, yeah. Yeah. And what was it? Just there was opportunities in that or? So it was actually a really interesting story, or a quick one. So <laughs> I, I was sitting on my couch one day in university. I was 20 two years old. And I was just sitting there and I got this text message from this guy called Wade. And it was like, Hey Josh, do you want to go to Dubai and perform in a five-star hotel? All expenses paid. They'll pay for your visa, flights, accommodation. You'll stay in a five-star hotel. You will eat the buffet three times a day, have pool, beach, gym access and all this stuff. And I was like, what? Like, do know? I even need to think about this? Like it wasn't a thought. It was a, is this a scam? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I mean, yeah, sure. Cause I didn't think it was real. I, didn't, I was mm. kind of apathetic towards it. And I was like, yeah, sure. No worries. So I put together a really quick media kit with myself wearing, cause I didn't know how to, how to dress at that point. So I was wearing this shirt that was too baggy for me and a tie that was barely done up properly. I've still got the photo somewhere I can show you. Definitely need <laughs> to see that from a personal brand perspective. Exactly. The journey and the evolution. The journey and the evolution. And I put together this video of me singing Wonderwall in this pub with, it was just blurry with a few people dancing and a bio that I put together in like five minutes. And I'm not talking about chat GPT five minutes, but like <laughs> myself at a 22, never written a bio before five minutes. And anyway, I sent it through, thought nothing of it. About five or so weeks later, I get an email saying, okay, they like you. You leave in two weeks. Here's your plane ticket. And I'm a 22 year old kid from the country, right? I didn't, I didn't think anything of it. I didn't Did think you know it was where real. Dubai was, I didn't know it? where Dubai was. Yeah. So I started researching, obviously. And so I showed up at the airport. Like I got rid of everything pretty much. I deferred university. I 
had to break up with a girlfriend at the time, get rid of the house, all sorts of stuff, right? And well, I showed up at the airport. How long was the airport. contract? It was only for four months, right? Okay. So I thought I was coming back in four months time, as most people do when you move to Dubai. <laughs> this is a regular theme on the podcast <laughs> that everyone tells me. is We were just coming for a few months or a few weeks or a few years. and Absolutely. But I got to the airport and I thought it was a scam. I thought the ticket wasn't going to go through. Anyway, I go through and get on the plane. I'm like, start laughing. I'm like, this is crazy. What? And I show up and there's a Lexus. I'm like, I'd never been in a Lexus before. Little did I know it's an Uber in Dubai, you know? So now the credibility has gone a little bit now. <laughs> and so they drive me onto the Palm and I see these massive hotels, the Atlantis. It's enormous. And then I go to the Anantara and these golden lights are just shining and these buildings are massive. And I'm just, I'm just kicking myself. I'm thinking, this isn't real. You know, this, this can't be real. And I walk into the lobby area and the concierge recognized me and they say, Josh, we've been waiting for you. I'm like, really? What? No way. Like, didn't you? Honestly, it felt like I was in a dream. And so they take me to my room. And the second the door shuts, I just start laughing. I start laughing so loud. And I call every single family member individually and be like, look at this, look at this. And I show them all around the room. I'm like, look, the lights turn on when you open the covers. You know, like I was so excited. And so I was supposed to only be there for four months and they extended it to eight. And then I just fell in love with Dubai. I couldn't leave. I, I came back two months later. I set up my own company and I started doing freelance work. I started contracting other hotels. I was managing around 13 hotels by myself at one point in the beginning as well. Mm. And it was, yeah, it was just one of those things I couldn't leave. Like most people, you get drawn in and then you get stuck in a good way. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so then that was the Did you ever used to play in Bushmans? I did. I think we've spoken <laughs> in another. That was the one that flew me here. Yeah, yeah. yeah but I used to live in the Anantara. I did too. Yeah. At the same time? Yeah, possibly. We'll, we'll, we'll 2014 about, September. About anyway, that. Cool. I was Crazy. sure that I remember, but you know, well, remembering the face, memories. But not the name. Well, yeah, definitely not the name. <laughs> but I remember a conversation, I think, of where you were sitting. So, sorry, side note on that. That's but, a, uh, yeah, it's a location piece of memory as well. Yes, That's that was it. Thing. Yeah, how funny. So then. You were in the, the music industry and you decided that wasn't connecting with your purpose. You saw what you wanted to do. How do you make that transition? Because I think that's one of the things that people find really hard is going, how do we then go and, you know, do what we actually really want to do? And it's scary. And, you know, what's your thoughts and your, your journey on that? It's very difficult because the hardest part is the identity change, mm. you know? So I already recognized that I was very good at what I do, but my identity for so long, like I knew what day of the week it was based on what performance I had that night. You know, I, I didn't, I was a musician and that's all I thought I was. And I thought that if I said anything else than I'm a musician or a singer, I thought that I had failed. So for me to start saying I'm a coach was very difficult because imposter syndrome started to kick in heavily, right? I'm like, who am I? Like, I'm just this kid from the country and, you know, had nothing, whatever. And it's very difficult in the transition stage, absolutely. But if you are going through that, that transition, just recognize you need a vision of your future that compels you towards it that you're emotionally connected to. You need to be emotionally connected to a future. If you're not, then you're going to be drawn by old patterns, old identities, old problems. Imposter syndrome is going to hold you back. And one thing that I recognize now is if I'm experiencing imposter syndrome, it means I'm growing. Mm. Because without imposter syndrome, you're not growing. Because people always associate that with being a bad thing. Yeah, but it's a fantastic thing. I get it all the time and I love it because clearly if opportunities are showing up, it means they're meant for you. Other people think that you are ready for it. Yeah. The only one that doesn't believe it yet is you. Yeah, interesting. And that will take evidence. 
And then you go in and try and find the evidence for that. By doing it, yeah. Um, yeah. When I got my TEDx talk, I was like, I am not ready for this in my head. But in the meetings, I was like, yeah, no, this is easy. Great. How did you actually get your TEDx talk? I, well, I think it had something to do with manifestation. I don't know. I started doing walking manifestation walks every single morning. I started seeing the red carpet. And then two weeks later, I got a message from TEDx. And I'd met this guy maybe a week or so before. And I didn't know anything about him. I didn't know he worked with TEDx, right? And he'd spoken to them and they said they wanted to fill, I think they said they wanted to fill the diversity thing because it was mainly females and they didn't really How have any male speakers. Right. I was the, I was the diversity the requirement. One. Yeah. And so I got this message saying, Hey Josh, would you be interested in doing a talk and potentially an activation? And I was like, what? I thought this would come in like maybe five to 10 years or something. Right. I didn't think I was ready for it, but clearly the opportunity showed up, which said I was sure I can think to myself, I I could do so much better and all that sort of stuff. But the fact that the version of me that was capable of doing that was good enough for it is good enough for me now. Yeah. In a similar sense with the TEDx opportunity for myself was I put that as a goal. One of the things I wanted to do was do a TEDx talk. So the first thing I did was I went out and bought Talk Like TED and uh, listened to it and then bought the book and read it. And I was like, right, I'm going to be, I want to be ready for the moment when maybe. someone asked me. And it, it was maybe 18 months later that the opportunity actually presented itself. But that whole thing of the visualizing, this is what I want to do. This is the goal. It wasn't like I called up loads of people. It came. But yeah, yeah speaking to people and connections and network and everything. Yeah. I always find the harder that I try to force outcomes, the, the least outcomes I get or the less outcomes I get. You know, when I just kind of recognize what I want and start being myself around people, things show up. Mm. So when it comes to sort of growing the business and, you know, networks and connections, you had a network here through being a musician. Then how did you start to grow your business and become known as person that could support, coach, mentor, speak? How did you grow that? I had to change my network, actually. <laughs> you had to what? I had to somewhat change my network because my old network was tied to the identity of the singer okay. as well. That's tough then to also yeah. change your, your, your friendship circles and the yeah. people that you know. Yeah, it's almost an entirely new identity and lifestyle and life that I have now. It was intentional. I had to start finding people that I wanted to be like. I had mm-hmm. to find people that were ahead of me. I had to start forcing myself into situations I was uncomfortable with, like networking events and just all, all the, the normal things that you have to go through. And then eventually referrals take over and your name starts to spread. It's easier when you do speaking because your name can spread faster. One to many. One to many, exactly. Which yeah. I didn't recognize was, was something I naturally did in music. So with music, it was incredibly difficult to find performances because I didn't know anybody. But the second I got put in front of people, I started with one performance and I grew to two and then I had four and then I had eight and then it was unlimited booked, right? The same was to be said with, with coaching. It's one-to-one all times, it's very difficult to get one-to-many, even if it's, even if it's online. Yeah. Even if it's online. So how did you actually change your network? You know, what did you do? Because if someone's sitting here going, they're in the corporate space maybe, or they're in a completely different environment, what were some of the things that you went, right, this is what I'm going to go and do? Two sides. One is when you are ready for the change, the change will appear. Mm. Don't even try to fight it. You will find people you will be ready for a conversation that you would never normally have. Yeah. And you'll start to make friendships that will just draw you in a new direction. Mm-hmm. That will just happen when you're ready for it. If you try to just magically change it without being ready for it, then it won't change. I think because you're, you're 
you're having the same conversations, you're having the same outcomes in your head, but when you're ready to change, it will change. More practical terms is I started contacting people on, on groups like Tony Robbins from events that I went to, mm-hmm. knowing that we had some sort of synergetic relationship of a common experience of Tony mm-hmm. Robbins. So I messaged on one of the groups, I was like, hey, is anybody in Dubai would love to start networking with some people who are like, like-minded and on a similar pathway or something like that? And I got one message from a guy who was like, yeah, I'm in Dubai. We can meet up. I'm like, great, cool. And he ended up becoming one of my best friends and one of the, the initiations of the change of my entire uh, pathway. But wow. I was ready for it. Yeah. So his life was more corporate projects, heavy deals and stuff like that. Like I, The stuff that I'd never even thought about as a creative type. Because creative types, we just want to create music and we want to, you know, change the world, but have no pathway towards it, you know, like. And when I started meeting him and started changing the conversations, my thinking started to shift. And then I was starting to get ready to start meeting new people. And when you start to meet new people, then you start to spread your little branches out into a new network. My old network, they still think either I left Dubai or that I'm just doing this thing on the side somewhere else, you know? So my network is completely different. Completely different. That's, I think that's where I think the sort of, you've talked, you've talked about manifestation and and, you know, having the, the clear goal, but you also took action because I think that's a big mistake that people make is that they think, well, I want to do this, but then it doesn't happen. No, you actively reached out to a Facebook group and said, is anyone there? And no one could have come back to you. Ten people could have come back to you, but one did who's become your best friend. Yeah, exactly. I think it's the same like, if you're tired of being single or something and you're sitting on the couch being like, I want to meet the love of my life and I want them to be this person. And you sit there and you don't move. They're not going to knock on your door. You know, you have to go and put yourself in the positions to find that person. A delivery person, maybe. <laughs> it might be the, the pizza man. I yeah, don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pizza man, pizza girl. <laughs> yes. But anyway, that's a different, uh, that's a different story. Podcast. Yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You need to have the action part. The action part accelerates the, the mental part. Mm. What have been some of the challenges then along the way? So I think you talked on personally, the identity shift, which I think happens to a lot of people from a personal perspective. What have been some of the challenges in a, a business capacity that you've kind of struggled with? I was having this conversation recently, actually. When it comes to social media or changing career paths or something like that, it's holding on and being consistent throughout not seeing anything in return. Because when you begin any new journey, you're not going to see results straight away. Mm. You just you just won't. You'll find the, the one person online that's like, make $3 million in 30 seconds. And you're like, oh, wow. He's done it. And then somebody else clickbaits you and like, oh, well, he's done it. And then somebody else does it. And you're like, oh, he's done it. And then you start to think everyone else can do it, but not me. Mm. So you start to get disheartened in yourself thinking I'm the problem and there's no solution. And I don't know what pathway to take anymore. And you get overwhelmed and that sort of thing, right? You get frustrated. So that was one of the things for me was I was, I was thinking I was so far behind because all these people on the internet are showing that they are so much further ahead. Mm. And so I was posting my little reels, my little photos, my little TikToks and stuff. And, and it took three and a half years or something before I even saw any traction. So, so showing up every single day when you feel like giving up is a very difficult thing to continue through. So that was one of the things to, to consistently go recognizing that you will get there eventually, but you just got to take the, the journey and how much time that takes, you can't tell, but it will come eventually. Because you're at over, what did you, 700, 800,000 on TikTok? Yeah, about 800,000 now. And then that came from, you know, for the first three and a half years, you're saying that it was. TikTok was a little bit faster. Yeah. It was about seven months. 
Instagram had been about three to four years or something like that mm. and Facebook and stuff like that. And I had to learn graphics design. You know, I started to find the carousels that beautifully merged together and how to use every sentence perfectly to create content, to get people to the eighth slide before they get the call to action at the end. So I think that, you know, I had to learn entirely new styles of content. And I was just thinking, what am I doing this for? Like, what's the actual point at the end of the day? Because I'm not seeing anything come back. And eventually I started to learn TikTok and it blew up and I started to do pretty well from that. Mm-hmm. TikTok doesn't pay you. So I had to learn how to start marketing. And then I had to learn to start how to do sales. And now that I'm doing public speaking communication, I now have to sell from stage. And that's a new skill as well. And I wouldn't be able to do any of these things if I didn't learn how to learn. If you didn't learn how to learn. How to learn. So memory techniques have allowed me to be able to learn new skills. Thinking like growing up, I thought that was dumb. But now I'm able to accelerate the learning process to about a third of the time. Mm -hmm. So it means when I'm learning anything new, it means I can hop on stage in a week's time and sound like the expert and that confident in the information because I know how to remember it. So would that be safe to say that anyone can do it? Yes. And it is a case of these are the simple steps that you need to take to get to that point and then they can do it. There actually is, yeah. But I wasn't ready for a lot of the simple steps because I was overwhelmed by all the people on the internet. So I think finding a signal that is separated from the noise that you follow through, one pathway one thing will lead you to business success. One thing will lead you to sales success. One thing will lead you to financial success. Mm. Follow the one thing, not spread out multiple different things. Because if you go here and then it's the three inches from gold or 10 feet from gold, whatever it is, right? Like you get all the way over here and then you're like, oh, it's not working. And then you decide to pivot. And now you've just missed that coffee cup, you know? (laughs) And then you go all the way over here to this journal and you're like, oh, I missed it. And then you go over here and you keep going absolutely nowhere. So holding on to one thing and being specific with one thing long enough to make it work and finding a strategy that you can stick to for long enough to make it work is one mm-hmm. of the hardest things. Not getting distracted by shiny object syndrome is a very difficult thing. <laughs> they, they call that the entrepreneur's curse. I think it is. Yeah. yeah. The shiny, this shiny object. Oh, let me go and do this. And I think this will work out better or we'll have different opportunities and what have you as well. What's the biggest myth you would say that you kind of come across maybe in public speaking or in memory? techniques or just in memory in general, maybe. In memory in general, people, I think every person I meet nowadays say I have the worst memory in the world. (laughs) I think everybody says that. I honestly think there's a competition that I don't know about that everyone took and like, yeah, that's me. Generally speaking, most people just aren't able to focus. And it's no wonder with social media, with the the amount of distraction time that we have, like you have half a second to hook somebody on the internet before they lose focus, right? So it's no wonder that people's attention spans are distracted because we are practicing distraction as the muscle. So instead of practicing recall and focus and building that muscle, we are practicing distraction and building the distraction muscle. So generally speaking, it is people's attention and focus that is distracted that stops them from being able to remember things. So as a question, have you ever forgotten where you place your keys? Loads. Have you ever forgotten where you put your phone? Equally loads. Even when you're holding it? <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, I want to take a picture. I can't find my phone. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So what is generally happening is you are distracted with something. So when you place your keys down, as an example, you place your keys down, you might have been looking at your phone replying to somebody, or you're thinking about an argument you had earlier the day, you're looking at KitKat videos on TikTok, you're looking at memory coach Josh McCartney on TikTok. (laughs) And where you're placing your keys down never entered your memory because you weren't paying attention to that in the first place. So you never created a memory of placing the keys down because your focus was directed over here. And where your focus is, it's like having a 
you can't see what's behind you, right? That's what your focus is doing. It's creating a wall of everything else as black and like not existent. So learning to control your focus and be able to rapidly switch between tasks is really, really important. So a lot of people think that they're good at multitasking, right? You've been told it's as a myth, a, is it? It's a myth. You've been told as a woman you can multitask, right? Better than men. Uh, yeah, I actually don't know if I'm very good at it. So, <laughs> well, most women think they can multitask because yeah. <laughs> it's been drawn in. Women are better at multitasking. Multitasking doesn't exist. Yeah. What we're actually doing is we're rapidly switching in between two tasks, and I'd like to show a demonstration if you don't mind. Yeah, go for, for it. you for for people watching and listening. I want you to count from one to ten. Okay. Out loud. Okay. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Now I want you to go from A to J in the alphabet. I kind of have to sing it. A, B, C, T, E, F, G, H, I, J, K. Just that. Just the okay. J. That's fine. Now what I want you to do is I want you to go 1A, 2B, 3C, 4D, all the way to 10 and J. Oh, so 1A, 2B, 3C, 4D, 5E, 6F. F7. Oh my God, this is like kid stuff. Why is this so hard? So what is happening is you're trying to focus on two things at once. The letters and the... Right? So when you focus on the numbers, one task, you were able to do that one task really, really well. When you focus on the letters, you were able to focus on the letters and do that one task really, really, really well. Mm. But when you try to do two things at once, your ability to do either of them disappeared. Yeah, completely. And then you feel really stupid. Yeah. But it's so simple. But it's so simple, right? So there's no such thing as multitasking. What you would have even felt like was happening was you're going one and then you're starting the alphabet again to you know, A, B, C, D, F, E is five or something like that, right? Yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. You're actually switching between two separate tasks in the brain. So the myth of multitasking, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. You can learn to start rapidly switching in between tasks and creating higher associations when you're doing it. So when you place your keys down, Pretend like you have an explosion go off where, you, where your keys drop and then go back to your task. So it's like a visual. So it's a visual and you mm. can hear it so you can get the senses engaged. Okay. And maybe it blows a hole through your chest. So that's emotion because you're afraid, right? So when you add some um, of those things into your mind and do it quickly, then you can start to rapidly switch between tasks and you can get better and better and better at it. Yeah. But either way, it's still better to focus on one thing at one time. All right, good. That myth is... Busted. Yeah, completely. What about public speaking? <laughs> Picture everyone in the room naked. <laughs> That could be quite challenging if, uh, depending on what kind of room you're in. Um, <laughs> I mean, if there's a whole bunch of pretty people, I'm going to be like, oh, I'm going to be super distracted. But, like, they say that, what? Because I think that is distracting. It's super distracting. I don't know. I'd love to know where that, because me- I've heard that before. You know, oh, don't worry, you'll be fine. You know, just some of you imagine yeah, everyone naked. No, actually not, thanks. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand the premise of how that would work, you know? Yeah. I think what it's supposed to do is to make, like to humanize people, to make people feel more human or take people down to their raw form or something like that. So they're not as scary, you know, something like that. I I don't know. And it doesn't work. So don't, don't do it. And that's also going to take your focus from the presentation. And as we just learned, only focus on one thing at one time. So it's a complete myth. Yeah. I would suggest learning how to control your state. Mm -hmm. So your state can consist of multiple things of reframing your situation. So reframing of what if this happens and what if the audience don't like me and what if, what if, what if I stumble on my words and what if I forget my words and then you're starting to draw up anxiety into your body because of what if might happen, right? You're getting apprehensive about the future. So reframing your situation into how can I deliver something that the audience can take home and apply it to their life to make their life better? 
So that's a really simple way to... Really simple. Yeah. It takes away all the, the pressure. It takes mm -hmm. away the anxiety. It takes away the fear because you've reframed the emotion. And then learning how to regulate your body is to be able to start controlling your breath because breath is, your mind is like a, an anxious kite flying in a storm and your breath is like the, the peaceful string drawing it back in, right? So your breath controls your mind as well. But what most people do is they speak really, really fast. And they don't breathe. Mm. And they'll breathe through their mouth, which means their vocal cords will also dry out. So now they're not able to speak properly. They're speaking too fast. They're tripping over the words. Shaking. <laughs> they're shaking. Yeah, yeah. And now they're forgetting their words and all their worst fears are coming true, right? So, And then they're thinking, I need to think of everyone naked. And then it's all gone. <laughs> yeah, and then it's just, it's all gone. It's an endless spiral of, oh no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the last one they can start doing is to redirect your focus. So instead of redirecting your focus onto what if, direct it onto, I'm excited. I'm excited for this to happen because it means that I'm going to help somebody. I'm excited because I'm able to be up here and present and make a difference in somebody's day. Redirect your focus to those sort of things. Like what can I, what is something that I can deliver so that even if I do mess up, it doesn't actually matter. Yeah. So redirecting focus. So if you want three R's, everybody, you can reframe mm -hmm. your situation. So reframe for the audience. What can they get? Regulate your emotions. Yeah. Starts with your body. So breathing. Make sure to breathe. Slow down. And then the last one is to redirect your focus. Redirect on what you want to happen, not what you don't want to happen. Mm -hmm. Because most people are thinking about what they don't want to happen. That's great value. I love that. Thank, Thank you for you. sharing. What do you do before you go on stage then? Because I know Tony Robbins talks about like, he jumps on his rebounder and, you know, gets in the state. And that's what made me think about when you were talking about, you know, reframing your state. Um, I recently started to create a playlist of songs that really empowered me. So if I'm doing a big talk, I'll listen to those songs and then I go on feeling great. What are some of the things that you do or that you recommend to your clients to do? First one is you will predictably start to feel anxiety. Yeah. So recognizing that will happen yeah, is okay. the first thing. When I start to feel that, I know I'm in the right place. <laughs> so I start to feel anxiety and it's predictable, which means it's predictable to be able to avoid it as well. Mm -hmm. So once you start to breathe as slow as possible in, so you're breathing in for as long as possible, like that for as long as you can and breathing out as long as you can mm -hmm. for as long as you can. And if you've got five minutes, do it for five minutes. If you've got yeah. four breaths, just do four breaths. I do that because it calms down your nervous system. Then you'll also have some adrenaline and cortisol racing through your body. Yeah. So I'll try to jump if I can. If I'm standing in front of people, I'm like on the side of the room or something, I probably won't jump and just be doing that. Like, what's up, everybody? You know? <laughs> but if you're secluded, yeah, jump around, run, do star jumps, do something like that, start to flush through the cortisol and the adrenaline. That's so that's, why he does, that's the, why he does that. The, the rebounder. Yeah. You need a portable rebounder then. They're fantastic. And it, the, the rebounder helps you to get your energy up because it's, it's low impact on your joints. And once you start getting your blood pumping, you actually just start to feel more energy in your body. I mean, I have one that I use every morning so and good, I right? love it. I really love it, but it's not like it, it's the legs bend and it's like, it's a beautiful rebounder, but it's not one I could, I can't <laughs> just imagine rocking up to my event next week that I've gotten, I'm just going to jump on my rebounder. You're all right with that. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, if you can put it into your tech rider, why not? <laughs> Your list of diva requirements. Yes, exactly. Maybe not in heels though. That might not end up well. Very true. But then I try to mentally rehearse how I want the day to go. Mm -hmm. So I ask myself some pretty simple questions. You know, is my fear justified? Generally, no, it's mm -hmm. not. Um, who do I want to be on stage? How do I want to have this experience? Like who do I want to help? 
So I'm just starting to redirect my focus onto things I want to experience. And just starting to ask those questions before you go and setting an intention before you hop on a stage rather than just blindly reacting and letting your body go through the anxiety and the adrenaline, the cortisol and stuff like that. You know, it's, it's not helpful and it's predictable, which means it's, it's predictably easy to get out of the anxiety. Mm, just using the technique. So what is next for what you're doing? What, where, are you, where are you heading to? What's some of the goals that you're looking for next? I want to be speaking on the biggest stages there possibly is. That's my goals, pretty yeah. much. I yeah. went to Mind Valley on the weekend, and I was like, "That's going to be me very soon." Maybe not even with Mind Valley, but that size stage, you yeah, know. Yeah. I want to have a book by the end of the year. Yeah. So be an author. I want to impact at least five people every day, make a change in five people's lives every day, mm. because it's a good goal. Mm. You know, it gets you out of bed, and I want to be happy. Yeah. and joyful and content. Those are the things that I want. Where can people find you and learn about? Because I think TikTok, you share a lot of tips and techniques on public speaking and mm-hmm. um, memory, and you do the same on Instagram. It's, it's almost copy and paste, yeah. I guess, on either of them. So Instagram is Josh McCartney official yeah. and TikTok is memory coach. So you can go to either of those. It's very easy. I have some longer form explanations on YouTube as yeah. well. I believe it's Josh McCartney official as well. I believe so. I haven't checked that for a while, but personal I'm pretty sure brand. it is. Yeah, Come on, yeah. personal brand. No. Uh, do you use LinkedIn much, by the way? Yeah, I think it's Josh McCartney 17 because it wasn't available or something like that. So yeah, yeah. but I, I just started using LinkedIn recently and yeah. I'm actually starting to see some inbound leads and stuff coming through, which is, yeah. which is cool. So. I find from a speaking capacity, LinkedIn is yeah. a place that people actually look for speakers or if you have TEDx speaker, people actually look for TEDx speakers to then come into their organization. And I find LinkedIn very useful for that. Good to know. If you, if you haven't updated it. I'll then, ask you for uh, some tips then. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming here. The time goes so quickly. It, when it, the whoa, other way, Yeah, I know it's gone so quickly. Thank you so much for sharing. There's so many other questions. I have to come back and do a part two as well. I'm keen, With, when you've done your book. Yes. There's the goal. Whenever you um, Come back and we'd love to have you and learn more. So thank you so much. Thanks, Chloe. Did you enjoy this episode? If you did, then please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This is how more people can hear about the amazing stories and guests that we have on here. Even better, you can also share this on social media. Screenshot it and share it on your Instagram or on your Facebook or on your Twitter account. The more people that see these episodes, the more awareness it brings to small businesses and those that are trying to make an impact and difference. And if you want to know more about how you can develop your personal brand, then check out our new website, Brand New Creators, designed by our in-house team. And we are in the business of helping you to increase your online visibility, build industry authority, lead change, motivate and profit. Who doesn't want that? I look forward to speaking to you soon. Until next time. Bye.